electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate you and put it in context for this boy. Teaching this day is real hard. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let's see. Dollar down, rates down, stocks up. Yeah, but weaker dollar and lower bond yields translated into a terrific rally today. Dow gaining 337 points. S&P jumping 1.63%. And the NASDAQ falling 2.25%. Holy cow. Put these two things together, that weaker dollar and lower rates, and you get a magic elixir that can turn around the whole market. A strong dollar, remember, hurts overseas earnings, and bond yields reflect whether Wall Street expects more pain from the Fed, which is why it's so good when both of these things go down. Before we get into why, though, last time we ran an excellent off-the-charts piece highlighting work by Carly Garner about how the dollar could soon peak. She said the dollar was the most what she called crowded trade out there, and it would soon do something called reversion to the mean, which would also put a stop to the relentless rise in bond yields. Carly's great. She doesn't waffle. She cuts it straight, telling us that the decline would start now. Sure enough, the dollar got clubbed today, and it looks like it's about to roll over. Now, the dollar and bonds have kind of a chicken and egg dynamic for most people. Hard to know which one follows the other. But Carly explained that the dollar had gotten wildly overbought and was due for a pullback, something that would stop the relentless rise in bond yields in its tracks, too. And that's exactly what happened today. We got the most forceful decline in long-term rates since this long run began. It was a monster fall in rates, which frightened everyone who was betting on rates headed higher. That's not a great bet, given that we won't have anything that would spur another increase in rates until the Fed meeting on November 2nd. For now, we're in what's known as the blackout period, where Fed officials can't speak, and it's been a godsend for the market because these Fed presidents and governors love to come out and terrify you with talk of napalming the economy with a series of massive lockstep rate hikes. They know nothing! I know if I were on the Fed, I'd bring all these people together and say, hey, explain. 
You guys are all assistant coaches. And I would tell them that the only guy you should really speak is Pal. The Fed as an institution tries so hard to be careful about what it tells the public. Then these officials dispute whatever the heck they feel like. It's insane. No way to run a central bank. Without any interference from them, though, we were devoid of the discordant voices, and that frees us up to speculate on what stocks would look like if both the dollar and bonds are telling the truth here, meaning the two-year Treasury can't stay above that key 4.5% level. It's, it's having a hard time breaking through to 4.75. Remember, that has been the battleground of late. And maybe 4.5% is just a bridge too far. Perhaps there's so much recession chatter that it simply makes no sense for short-term bond yields to keep climbing. So what does the market look like when we think that the rate height cycle is over? Well, frankly, I've got to tell you, it's a little fictional. It's a little fanciful. It's a little chimerical. First, this is a market, as I often tell you, that's driven by machines. When I say that, I mean the machines have detected patterns. And one of them is that you buy NASDAQ stocks when rates go down. NASDAQ. The machines do that because if rates are going down, maybe inflation's cooling off, and therefore the long-term value of fast-growing tech stocks get preserved. Remember, most tech stocks are valued on what they'll make many years in the future. So if there is terrible inflation, and we know, we know we've got a real bout of very bad inflation here, if there is terrible inflation, those future earnings or even future sales simply aren't worth as much as they are today. Of course, the machines, you know what? They're incredibly wrong all the time. I don't know who gives these people money. <laughs> After all, they're still programmed by humans, even if they're using artificial intelligence in the process. I've been around long enough to know that in the end, machines evaluate data without knowing the data. We, on the other hand, can both know the data and know how to evaluate it. Of course, we can get it wrong, but usually not in the ridiculous way that the computer gets it wrong, although we have such reverence for computers that we tend to think they are smarter than we are. They're only as smart as the people who program them. For example, the group that was the most on fire off the decline in rates in the dollar, the semiconductor stocks. Now, this is the same group that's been hit hardest whenever the dollar is strong and rates go up. But you know what? If you really think the semiconductor companies are doing better, I can tell you without a scintilla of doubt that you are dead wrong. The entire semiconductor complex suffers from excess inventory. Sure, there are a few older form factors that are still in short supply, like the chips that go to the autos. But any high-performance semiconductor, uh, like the ones that go into phones or computers, is glutted right now, meaning there's just too many of them out there. In fact, the semiconductor inventory glut may be at monumental proportions. A lot of people want to bet that it's about to be cleaned up, but there's no evidence of that, just none. Oh, sure, NVIDIA and AMD, the, the, those, the inventories will clean up. And some large funds have to start buying them now in order to not, meet the, not move the stocks themselves. But it's too early. Just ask the poor shareholders of the stock of Texas Instruments after its hideous outlook this very evening. It's, it's just too early to buy the group. It's okay. But the machines say it has to be bought now. Hey, maybe tomorrow when we sort through the disappointing quarters from both Alphabet and Microsoft after the close tonight, Maybe there'll be some justifiable buying. I mean, to me, there's just going to be remorse. I want to emphasize to you that even as tech rallies hard on days like today, they cannot lead into a Fed-mandated slowdown. They're the wrong leadership. They just can't do it, at least until the Fed is finished, because buyers will not forgive their mistakes. 
okay, whether they are from personal computers or cloud growth, it doesn't matter. There are going to be no excuses for big tech. It's good. The excuses will come for companies like a Chipotle saying, look, what will happen? They put a good number to it. When we have them, what would happen, for instance, Chipotle? This is what will happen. Here's the excuses. Chipotle raises prices. They raise prices in order to be able to meet the raw costs. And then they don't have to take prices down because people like them so much. That is not the experience of a Microsoft. It's not the experience of an NVIDIA. Let me give you another example of the knuckleheaded way the machines work. Before the weaker Alphabet and Microsoft quarter report tonight, the machines were buying the cloud stocks. It was led by Salesforce, which has newfound value status thanks to the activists at a company called Starboard. I don't buy the value thesis, though. I prefer to think the Salesforce is just cheaper than it was and that it's attracting buyers who can become activists if they don't get what they want. Similarly, the other day, Meta Platforms. Yes, the old Facebook. Got a love letter from Brad, Brad Gerstner. He's the manager of Altimeter Capital, warning Mark Zuckerberg that he's being reckless with his spending. I think it could be actually the first of many so-called love letters, unless Meta stock can keep running. Of course, it did roar up 6% today. We had a position in Meta, not a big one, but enough to hurt if Alphabet and Microsoft, two other stocks we own for the Chapel Trust, really take tech down. We don't have big positions, but we do own them. Now, we don't want to trade for the trust. We have nice bases, much lower than here for these stocks. But winning tech right now here is, well, sadly, just a trade. There are so many better areas. For example, we see some retailers running that we like. They run when we sense that the Fed might not want us to put us in a recession. Plus, the managers who believe we're already in a recession, and there are plenty of them, like to hedge their bets by buying trade-down retailers like Burlington Stores or Ross or Kramer fave TJX. Can this bullishness continue? Look, we're about to celebrate a full year of bear market trading. We're also further along in the tightening cycle simply because there are only so many basis points they can hit us with so fast. The market needs time to adjust. The Fed doesn't want to rock the boat too aggressively right before the election. It doesn't want to cause a catastrophe. Who knows? The bullishness is so great, there may be bids underneath, even for Microsoft and Alphabet, but not Texas Instruments. Uh, At some level, you know, these high-quality companies are definitely worth buying. But any slowdown in cloud growth or myriad misses among a host of product lines, at least at Alphabet, removes their chances of leadership until the next quarter and the next quarter. And I'm getting real tired of it. It is just too hard for all of us to deal with the disappointments that we get from what used to be Fang. But the bottom line, it is time to recognize that the dollar's in charge today, at least, and the dollar rally took a break, which means the bears took a break, too. If the greenback keeps pulling back, maybe they'll go into hibernation. But only if the earnings come in better than we saw tonight from Alphabet and Microsoft and Texas Instruments. Let's go to Maureen in Michigan. Maureen. Hi, this is Maureen from Royal Oak. I'm in a women's investment club. Each month, three stocks in the same sector are chosen to evaluate. I was tasked to research Adobe. What do you think of Adobe, Mr. Kramer? All right, there are two parts of Adobe. One is Adobe as a company, and it is a great company, and it does fantastic things. The other is Adobe as a value, and the value is not there given the fact that it's no longer blowing away the earnings. And the only thing that makes the stock go up in this environment is much better than expected earnings, and Adobe doesn't have it. It might have it a few quarters from now if you're patient, but it doesn't have it now. Okay, the dollar's in charge, and today it, along with the bears, took a break. If it keeps pulling back, maybe they'll go into hibernation. 
Oh man, but tonight, Chipotle delivered results after the bell. So what should you make of the quick service restaurant's third quarter report? I'm digging into the numbers when the, with the CEO. Then another post-earnings report was handed in by toy maker Mattel. So was the company able to prove this quarter was more than just fun and games? I'm discussing with the company's top brands, and one you do not, do not want to miss. Canopy growth. It's sort of nearly 30% today on news that's consolidating its U.S. business into a new holding company. And I'm talking to the company's CEO, and you do not want to miss that interview because it is really a shocker. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. We just got a lesson on the importance of pricing power. After the close, Chipotle reported an excellent quarter. A nice earnings line beat, mostly because they raised prices by about over 20% say over the last few years. And customers still have shown no sign of flinching in the face of those hikes. That's incredible. On the other hand, management also sees no end to the rise in food costs, which is less encouraging. But they seem to know how to cope, which is how they could deliver better than expected same-store sales, up more than 7%. Oh, and who knows how high this tremendous company stock can go if they ever get a break in costs. So let's take a closer look with Brian Nickel, the chairman and CEO of 
of one of my longtime favorites, Chipotle Mexican Grill, to learn more. Mr. Nickel, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Good to be back. Okay, so I've got to tell you something, bro. One of the things that just impresses me endlessly with you guys, you continue to take share, you continue to have great comp stores numbers, but you continue to have incredible gross margins. And it's the latter for the people of the stock market want to know, how do you do it? Everybody else's margins are being compressed. Yeah, well, look, we're really proud of our results in the third quarter. As you mentioned, you know, uh, our margins grew, our comp uh, was up 7.6% and revenue was up 14%. And I think it's just a testament to, you know, the great restaurant teams that we have that are executing the Chipotle culinary and the customer experience we strive to give for every transaction. So, you know, we're fortunate to be rewarded with people's business and, uh, you know, we want, we want to treasure every guest uh, at, with every transaction. At the same time, you actually call out dairy, packaging, tortillas, avocados, all going the wrong way. And yet at the same time, restaurant level operating margin, 25.3 increase from uh, 23.5. I, I, I find that astounding with that many different costs going against you. Yeah, look, <clears throat> the cost environment's been tough for a while, right? I mean, I think on a two-year basis, our costs now are up over 20%. Um, and then obviously we continue to have some wage pressure. But, uh, you know, we've got a really strong value proposition. We've had to take some pricing along the way. Uh, but one thing that we've un, you know, been unrelenting on is we want to make sure we've got great culinary, you know, with the food with integrity proposition that we promise everybody and continue to give people exactly what they want at the speed at which they want it. And that continues to serve us well. Well, it must be working because you did raise price, but it has not hurt same store sales at all. You think some original menu additions, people like being uh, going through a little bit faster. Uh, they like going to stores. They certainly like the Chipotle lanes. All of these seem to be going your direction. Yeah, look, we're, we're very fortunate. All the access modes uh, that we've got going, Right. You mentioned the Chipotle lane, which is the order ahead and pick up. You don't even have to get out of your car. Uh, you know, the mobile orders where you do order ahead, come in and grab your food and go. And then obviously our inline experience where you come into the restaurant, uh, our teams are doing a terrific job of managing all those access points and, you know, continuing to push the button as it relates to throughput. Um, you know, we, we really instituted a focus of going back to the basics. Uh, I think we've demonstrated some improvement over time. But I believe we can be a lot better than where we are today. I know our teams are focused on being better than where we are today. And, um, you know, look, that's the upside in our growth story is what we can get out of our existing restaurants while we build all these new restaurants. Well, speaking of growth stories, there are some things you're doing. The, the pilot advanced technology, what you are doing technologically, no one else is doing. This pilot, Southern California, tell, tell us about it, because it seems like, you're getting out of the bad, the, I don't know, the, the boring jobs and able to make people be focused like that tremendous gentleman that you have in the amazing ad that you've been running during the football games. Yeah, well, look, you know, we really are pushing hard on how do we improve the employee experience. We know if we can do that, we'll end up with great guest experiences. And, you know, some of the things that we've invested in, uh, frankly, are using artificial intelligence and really uh, this idea of getting to better forecasts so that our teams can prepare the right amount of food at the right time. Uh, the other thing that we're investing in is just giving people a better digital experience. So there's a lot of technology that we've invested in. So 
if you happen to order and you show up at the wrong restaurant, we alert you before you get to the restaurant that you're going to the wrong place. Uh, and it's little things like that that go a long way. And then there are big things that we're looking at, which is this program we've invested in with Hyphen, which is all about automating our digital make lines even further so that people get exactly the portions that they're used to every single time. Uh, and then it's also super accurate. And then it allows us to go even faster than what we're doing today. And it takes the pressure off of our in-store employee of having to manage both the front line and that digital make line. So that's a big one for us. And then you're probably referring to uh, the chippy prototype where we're working on how do we use a robotic arm to potentially fry chips? And then we're also investigating how we use that robotic arm to cut core avocados, you know, cut onions, cut jalapenos. The things, frankly, that people, I think sometimes they're surprised when they first join our company to realize how much prep is going into our business to do these fresh ingredients every day that get people, you know, the delicious burritos that they well, love. That must be, I think some people say, wow, that was a great new addition to the menu. Why don't they add things all the time? It, I think that you can and be sure that you've got great quality. You do just as many as you can to be sure the quality is perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, Jim. There's, you know, we, we like the idea of having some, you know, news to the menu, uh, but one or two a year is plenty. Uh, because at the end of the day, we need our guys to be focused and our teams focused on doing great culinary with the basics that we do every day. Right. People come for our guacamole. People come for our chicken. People come for the barbacoa. If if we jeopardize doing those things terrific at the expense of trying to do new items, uh, it's just not a winning proposition. So we have to balance what we bring onto the menu so that it doesn't impact our throughput, nor does it impact our team's ability to execute the core menu with excellence. All right, one last question, Brian. I noticed that uh, lower delivery fees associated with lower volume of delivery transactions, uh, is, is that uh, partially offset by the higher food costs and wages? But uh, why is that? I mean, we, we, we had our delivery today, good as ever. Uh, I thought that, that was the new way. Yeah, look, I think we're definitely seeing people get back to normal routines where there's just, I think, a, a reduction in some occasions as it relates to delivery. One of the things that we're seeing right now in our business, frankly, is more individual orders, more people coming to the restaurant in between, you know, whether it's a a job or getting kids to activities. But people are just out and about a lot more. And I think they're returning to a lot more similar behaviors to what they had pre-COVID. Not to say that the delivery occasion doesn't exist, not to say that it's not going to continue to exist. Uh, I just think you're seeing now more of a, I guess, a balancing back to people's normal behaviors where when they need the delivery occasion, they absolutely want to take advantage of it. Like it sounds like you and your team did today. But look, in your normal course of routine, um, you know, I think the good news is our speed where you can run into our restaurants, get the food you want, uh, is really the thing that separates us from everybody else. I couldn't agree with you more, which is why I'm actually glad to see people going back to stores. The uh, We check everything new. No matter what, we check everything new. And why not? It is so <laughs> delicious. Brian Nickel, Chairman and CEO of Chipotle. Brian, I'm so glad you came on the show. Good to see you. Yeah, great to be with you, Jim. Thanks. Everybody's back here for the break. Coming up, tis the season, almost. Kramer talks toys with Mattel. Next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. 
Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Mattel's been a huge winner for the watchers of Mad Money, but lately it has, let's just say, cooled. What will take it to get back on track? The iconic toy maker was one of the biggest winners of the pandemic, but over the past six months, the stock's been really get hammered by currency headwinds, rising raw costs, and freight expenses, a softer economy, and a lot of difficult comparisons. Then tonight, Mattel reported a pretty solid quarter, a slight revenue miss coupled with an eight-cent earnings beat off a 74-cent basis, but they also lowered their full-year forecast across the board. While the lower guidance is mostly due to the strong dollar, we don't want to see it. So let's dig deeper with Yanon Kreis. He is the turnaround artist chairman and CEO of Mattel to figure out what's going on. Mr. Kreis, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Great to be here. All in all, this was a good quarter for Mattel. With the ninth consecutive quarter of year-over-year growth in constant currency. As you know, Jim, we are operating uh, in the midst of a challenging economic environment. But our year-to-date result of double-digit growth in net sales, operating income, and EPS of 38% show that we are successfully navigating a complex landscape and our strategy is working. We believe our fundamentals are strong and we're very confident about our multi-year growth trajectory. All right, so let's go right to it. Uh, Strong category, vehicles, but weakest category, infant, toddler, and preschool. And I was surprised, even as I have a beautiful Tina Turner doll in front of me, that the Mattel uh, Barbie numbers were not as strong as I would have liked. Well, our portfolio is resonating at very strong levels, and we're very confident about the long-term growth trajectory of Barbie especially. Barbie was the number one global doll property in the third quarter and year-to-date. Year-to-date, Barbie is up in constant currency, and an excellent achievement when compared to last year, the highest year on record. We look forward to next year, which will have an exciting innovation pipeline, new content slate with Netflix, as well as the highly anticipated Barbie movie, which will release in the summer. Uh, Barbie has doubled, uh, doubled in size over the last five years, which really speaks to the strength and, in, uh, and, and resilience of this incredible franchise. Now, we just spent some time up at, the, uh, at Macy's in the Herald Square flagship store with Jeff Kinnett, and we were kind of blown away by the assortment of Barbie and by all the Mattel there. How is that brick and mortar combination doing for you? Yeah, we see shoppers returning to uh, brick and mortar as stores reopen and the economy normalizes. Our portfolio is very resilient and well-balanced, and we see our brands thriving uh, across the board with, uh, and continue to drive increased consumer engagement and uh, cultural relevance. And because of that, we maintained our guidance for full-year growth in constant currency of 8 to 10% in net sales, and expect a uh, continued increase um, uh, of, of our business, both top line and bottom line, for the full year. Now, on the bottom line, obviously, it was terrific. And yet, there doesn't seem to be yet any relief for costs. Are some things going your way when it comes to making these great toys? 
Well, we do see a moderation of cost. Uh, costs are coming down, um, uh, especially in relation to ocean freight and, and cost of materials. We do expect inflation to moderate in 2023. And uh, in addition to that, we are on track to achieve total savings of $250 million in our Optimizing for Growth program by 2023. So between pricing and cost savings, we expect those to more than offset inflation and will contribute to margin expansion over time. Now, I, I want to go over two things. The first one is, what's going to be the hottest for the holiday season? What toys do you think are going to be the ones that people should start buying now because they'll be out by the time we get closer? Well, we have a very exciting offering uh, for Monster High to Hot Wheels Car Wash, Lightyear product, Fish, uh, Fisher-Price musical toy, uh, and of course, the Dream House, which is always a winner, always on the top of the list for shoppers over the Christmas. We expect it to do well this Christmas as well. And give me that movie slate again, because I know that next year is the breakout year. And I think people who may be thinking, you know what, I'm giving up, but they didn't do the big blowout sales. They should be staying tuned for some of the things that have been something you promised one day would happen that's going to be 2023. Yeah, well, we have an exciting uh, 2023 ahead with the global launch of Monster High, uh, the addition of Disney Princess and Frozen to our portfolio, Trolls, and of course, the Barbie movie, which we believe will be an iconic uh, sensation and a cultural event. The Barbie movie completed principal photography. It is now in post-production. It's uh, shaping up really well, and we could not be more excited about Greta Gerwig's vision and creative execution uh, of this uh, of this incredible franchise. And in addition to Barbie, we have uh, 14 more movies in development with some of the most prolific creators of, of our generation with J.J. Uh, Abrams, uh, who's producing Hot Wheels, uh, Tom Hanks, and uh, uh, who's, who's going to be our partner for Major Matt Mason, Lena Denham and Lily Collins for Polly Pocket, Vin Diesel for Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and uh, the list goes on and on and on. A very exciting slate of uh, pictures in, uh, in development. I, I think people may not know your background. I mean, you, did have, you have a great film background. These are all big names. Are these people that have a relationship with you and ex- understand the importance of these different franchises to you and the company? Well, people really gravitate to our franchises. We own one of the strongest portfolios of children and family entertainment franchises in the world. And a key part of our strategy, in addition to growing our toy business, is, is, is capturing the full value of our franchises and intellectual properties. And you're starting to see the beginning of it. We also see tremendous momentum with Mattel Television that is thriving, more activities on digital, uh, and of course, consumer product and merchandise which we expect will be another key driver for our growth and expansion. Now, one thing I don't want to be caught up on, I know that your competitor, uh, Money Invention, the name, not doing that well right now. Uh, do we think that there could be a slowdown developing in toys as people do other things now that COVID has really run its course? Look, uh, it's not a secret that there are macroeconomic challenges out there that uh, may impact consumer spending. That said, the toy industry has very strong fundamentals and historically demonstrated its resilience during difficult economic times. The industry has grown year to date. It's expected to grow for the full year 
and continue growing at 5.5% CAGR through 2026, according to Euromonitor. And we all know that uh, play is a core human behavior that is not going away. Parents for, you know, will always prioritize spending money on their children, especially when it comes to quality product and trusted brands. Toys are also a strategic category for retailers, and the items are affordable. So uh, fundamentals are strong. Uh, we, based on our own research, expect shoppers to, to spend more, uh, the same or more this year than they did last year. So all in all, we believe the toy industry is in a good place and will remain, will remain a growth category uh, for the coming years. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I want to have a great holiday season. Uh, I want the Tina Turner. I'm taking her home. She's my favorite singer. And uh, to Enon Christ, Mattel Chairman and CEO, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jim. May I might be back at the break. Coming up, nobody is throwing shade, but we are headed under the canopy. Kramer catches up with a cannabis company next. market finally showing some much needed love to the down and out cannabis cohort. I got to tell you, for years, the group's been absolutely awful. And you know I've been saying that. But earlier this month, the pot stocks blazed higher after the Biden administration announced a series of marijuana reform actions. It's not quite legalization, although it's a step in the right direction. And that has made me positive on the group for the first time in years. Possibly more important, this morning we learned that Canopy Growth, the Canadian cannabis company that's controlled by Constellation Brands, has a new strategy to accelerate expansion in the U.S. It's a complicated move because there are a lot of legal considerations, corporate governance quirks, but it's usually positive. Sent the stock up 27% today. I don't think it's done. So let's take a closer look with David Klein. He's the CEO of Canopy Growth Corp. to get a better sense of what this means. Mr. Klein, welcome back to Mad Money. It's great to be here, Jim. Well, I've got to tell you, David, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for a cleanup of the structure. I've been waiting to get out of brick and free to get brick and mortar in Canada, which is just a loser. Waiting for you to have the kind of arrangements like you have with Walmart. It is all coming together at the same time that the country's looking for a little rationality in how it's regulated. So tell me where you are now versus where you were just last year. Yeah, look, for me, the exciting news that uh, that we brought today allows us to to take our destiny into our own hands and to really drive to become that leading branded cannabis North American uh, company that we've wanted to be. And we do that by uh, merging our acreage business, the WANA business and our jetty business into one entity that we call Canopy USA so that we can take advantage of that 50 billion dollar U.S. market that has us so excited. Well, David, at the same time, you know I care passionately about your former company, Constellation. And you did a great job there. To me, you bring fence Constellation. You get it so Constellation gets to take advantage of what good things that happen with this new entity canopy. And at the same time, doesn't get knocked down by whatever losses you might have. It's a novel strategy, a ring fence strategy. Are you sure it'll work? Because it would also mean the Constellation stock could go much higher. Yeah, look, we worked very closely with Constellation to develop this strategy. And we felt that the best way for us to take advantage of this big U.S. cannabis market was to allow Canopy the flexibility to be aggressive as we play this uh, market in the ever-changing regulatory environment. And so with this exchangeable share structure, Constellation feels like 
they have the comfort that they need in order to allow us to be more aggressive in executing our strategy. We think it's a win for us. We think it's a win for Constellation and our other shareholders as well. I couldn't agree more. Now, let's talk about the nitty gritty here. Uh, when it comes to states that are approving, it's a tidal wave. When it comes to the actual criminalization of, of cannabis, of this you know, class one felony, it just makes it so you can't invest in the companies, you can't give, the retailers can't uh, take credit cards. When is it possible that this madness, and I know it is so disorganized, the feds and the states fight each other, do you think it can end? So two-thirds of Americans already live in a state where cannabis is, uh, is legal. The federal government needs to catch up. In the meantime, though, we're not waiting. That's what this structure helps us do a little bit, is that we can, um, we can begin to take advantage of that U.S. market. And then, Jim, when we get regulatory reform, whether it be safe banking or one of the bills in the House or the Senate that would provide for broader uh, permissibility, we just win in, in any event. But, but we're not waiting, which I think is going to be very beneficial to our shareholders. And that's why I think that this Walmart deal is brilliant. I think most people don't know it's your deal because you've got a lot of brands. Tell us about that, because I think this is about profitability. Yeah, so, so when you think about our, our, our business, so Jim, I, wa- I want to talk about the components of our business, right? We said as a result of this deal, our entire um, global cannabis business will be adjusted EBITDA positive uh, when we're finished with this. Then we also have uh, a couple of CPG businesses like our, um, our BioSteel brand, which um, has recently uh, launched its sponsorship of the NHL. It's widely distributed across Canada. That's now coming to the U.S., and we have that distributed in uh, many retail outlets in the U.S., including, including in Walmart. Now, one thing that I, I remember, and you knew, the GW Pharma went out for a huge amount of money. That was, that was artificial, but they could dose it. You have the highest quality flour. At what point do you think that doctors will understand that this and not oxy is the way to go? Boy, we keep seeing more and more research that suggests that there are all sorts of positive benefits to cannabis as uh, as a as as a as a medical product, and um, I think we need more uh, ability to do research in the U.S., which Congress has worked on some legislation recently to allow that. But we need more ability to do research so that we can continue to prove it out. But every single thing that uh, that, that 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 I look at from a research standpoint suggests. It's just a winner. We actually, we actually need the U.S. government to, to give us more room, uh, deschedule the substance so that we can actually do the kind of testing that would prove that, would prove that point out. Right. You know, right now, it's only the University of Mississippi. It's crazy. One place you can do it. Now, one thing I want to be sure, you know, I've been recommending, I started recommending you as soon as President Biden said what he did, because I didn't want to get run afoul of the feds. But my charitable trust has a substantial position in Constellation. I know the companies are now separate, so you may not be able to speak as freely. But is it still possible that if everything hits, Constellation is, and it's all legal, Constellation would be able to make Canopy Growth one of its brands? Sure, anything's possible. What I, what I really rely on is that Constellation is going to remain a long-term investor at Canopy as a result of this exchangeable structure that we're rolling out today. I think that's that's super positive. I take a lot of comfort in that. And 
Um, and, and who knows where this is all going to end, Jim, but I, I think the, the cannabis industry in general is, uh, is waiting for a catalyst. We're going to be prepared when that catalyst finally hits. Well, David, I've got to tell you, you and Judy Hong, long my favorite from Goldman, have figured out how to make this look like a great consumer packaged goods company that it always could be now that you cleaned it up. I think it's a very exciting story, and I have not said that about a cannabis stock in many, many years. Congratulations on the cleanup and on this new deal. I think it's really terrific, David. It really is. Thank you, Jim. That's David Klein, CEO of Canopy Growth. Guys, you heard it. I am recommending a cannabis stock. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Because you might start with Usman in Texas. Usman. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan of yours. I've been watching for the last two years. So here's a question. So I have American Eagle and PayPal. I'm down 50% on both of them. And I also have a position in Disney. So question for you is, should I take some loss on either American Eagle and PayPal or PayPal? Well, I don't want to offer tax advice on what you should do. I can just tell you that fundamentally American Eagle is trying to make a comeback. It is very, very difficult. PayPal did very well today. They are already on the road to, to, to uh, I'd say, redemption. Let's go to Mikey in Oklahoma. Mikey. Jimmy C., the Wizard of Wall Street. How you doing, baby? Big booyah to I'm you, I'm doing sir. well. What's going on? Awesome. Hey, I know you don't have a crystal ball. Can you please, please look into the future of a company called Microvision? Tell me what you think. All right, you got to look. It's a three-dollar stock. I mean, it's a, it's a dice roll. It can go down three-dollar stock, stop at zero. It is losing a lot of money, so therefore, it's not my cup of tea. Let's go to Ricky in Utah. Ricky. Hello, Jim. How you doing today? I am doing fine, Ricky. How about you? Oh, you know, same old thing, just working. Uh, I've watched your show like many years and everything, but this is a first-time caller. Okay. Uh, My question, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, I have an app on my phone. It's called Robinhood. Okay. And Right. uh, They're they're saying that my first investment or my first stock is free, but I'm just kind of wondering, are they a good platform to go through? Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't really... I don't really um, make recommendations on which platform is the right one, but do you have a particular stock that we can talk about? Uh, yeah, Verizon. If Verizon's got that big yield, but they're taking it. You know, it looks like ATT has finally passed them, and I am concerned that they're going to have to spend a lot more to be able to get back in competition with ATT. So right now, I cannot recommend the stock of Verizon. How about a run in New Jersey? A run. Hi, booyah, Professor. Uh, this oh, yeah. is Arun from your home state, New Jersey. Oh, thank uh, you. Quick, a quick question about uh, SBNY, Signature Bank. I do not understand the price action given the rising interest rate environment and, and uh, you know, very well reported earnings last week. You're absolutely right. I think that I think the stock is probably uh, incorrectly valued, but it does not have a big yield. 
Most of the bank stocks have a good yield and are levered to the, uh, the yield curve, so to speak. This one only has just the yield to the yield curve. It doesn't have the yield itself. So I think it's just not, it's not going to react as well as some of the traditional banks. Let's go to Ken in Georgia, please. Ken. Hey, Jim. Hey, Ken. Hey, uh, I really like the prospect of our alternative fuels, but I would love it if I could have a company that uh, currently makes cash and throws out a dividend as well. I'm going to do my best Sam Elliott impression, and he's going to ask you about Cummins, CMI. I think Cummins is just a great company. This is the kind of stock that's working right now in this environment. The rates, are, the, it doesn't really uh, get hurt that much by rates. If rates do peak, it's going to do terrific, but it's got superior products and it's selling all over the world. I like Cummins. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, just take the W. Kramer explains a big win for the Fed. Next. So the Fed got a big win today. Pulte home. A major home builder reported that net new orders were down 28% as mortgage rates hit a 20-year high. In response, they terminated a number of pending land transactions. This dovetails with a weaker-than-expected Case-Shiller home price index number. That's the bellwether for home prices, even if it is a few months old. There's just one problem. Housing prices have increased by a third over the last two years, so a small slowdown won't do the trick. While the Fed's rate hikes have certainly curtailed demand for homes, and that will cool inflation for everything that goes into a home, prices really haven't come down much. Until we see sustained evidence of outright declining housing prices, and we don't really have those yet, the Fed's not going to declare victory. They're going to keep tightening. Meanwhile, every major company that reported today talked about how labor and parts and material costs continue to climb. Many components for airplanes and healthcare companies remain in short supply. That's a great excuse to raise prices because there's no, it tends to be no alternative with this stuff. Greg Hayes, the CEO of Raytheon Technologies, estimated that he has to pay $2 billion more for goods and compensation this year, which is roughly $500 million more than what he was expecting coming into this year. Now, there's some inflation. He's hired 27,000 new people but lost 19,000 old ones, many of whom took generous buyouts during the worst phase of the pandemic. Coca-Cola is spending so much more to bring you its sugar water, that's driving prices up for the regular consumer with no end in sight. Even as all the commodity inputs have come down, General Electric is seeing constant price increases from its suppliers and can't do much about it. If we're ever going to stamp out inflation, we have to find a way to make these price increases reverse themselves. Unfortunately, the Federal Reserve has only one way to make that happen, by making the consumer feel so much pain that they can't take it anymore. With the exception of housing, though, that hasn't happened yet. For example, many companies facing serious inflation problems say they're caused by a surge in travel. Once again, we've had a behavior change since we got more or less past COVID, and it has an unfortunate side effect. We no longer have enough planes to handle the demand. What can the Fed do to fix this? They can make it so people feel too insecure to buy things or too worried to splurge on vacation. They can give you a sense of impending doom. They're pretty good at that. But they can't change human nature. And what's happened post-COVID is all people needing to feel alive. That's what it's about. And go somewhere after two years of going stir-crazy. I say this is human nature because people simply haven't been deterred by higher prices to go places. Other than housing, cost simply isn't impacting demand in many places. At the end of the day, people feel like it's safe to fly again. 
because the pandemic's receded and they're eager to live their lives. The vast majority of us have been vaccinated and are no longer afraid of what will happen if we go to Europe or Disney World or Japan. I'm betting that won't change anytime soon, although at some point the prices will get so high that it actually causes demand destruction. Normally, I'd be confident the Fed has the power to make all the prices go down here, but we're not in a normal moment. We're too close to the pandemic, too close to when we almost died. So now we go places and we do things because we lived. And there's not much J-Pal can do to stop it unless we, he wants to completely destroy the economy. But I don't see him going that far. And frankly, that's a very good thing. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.